Welcome to Stories That Stir. Woohoo! Because the risk was anybody who was not part of our cult was actually deemed to be a worldly person, a dangerous person who might appear to be nice, but they actually had ulterior motives and they wanted to take us away from this future paradise hope. We're in our brand new venue. This is a gorgeous place, I'm sure you'll all agree. It's called Number 5 Restaurant and Bar. So I created Stories That Stir to break down barriers, stir conversation and inspire positive change. And I think it's working. (laughs) And the reason I say that is one of my friends who have been to every single event, she was actually a speaker at one of my events, commented to me a couple of weeks ago that You know, sometimes when she comes to these events, she hears stories that are completely beyond her reality. Like it's things that she would have never comprehended in her reality and never has experienced and probably wouldn't experience these things that she hears about. And sometimes it makes her feel a little bit uncomfortable. But in that discomfort, she finds empathy and it opens up her mind and her heart to other people's point of view and what other people are going through. And that is exactly what Stories That Stir is all about. It's about giving you the chance to get a glimpse into amazing people's lives and all the different things that go on in our lives that very likely don't go on in our own lives. And just having a bit of empathy and and altering your, your view of the world in some way. I'd like to welcome everyone listening to the podcast as well. Stories That Stir is recorded live for our podcast because when I started this event, I wanted to make sure that it's not just the people who could physically be here in the room in Sydney that would benefit from the stories, but that anyone could tune in from anywhere in the world. So, yeah, welcome to our podcast listeners. We love you as much as we love all the people sitting here. (laughs) Our third speaker is a very loyal Stories That Stir attendee. (laughs) He's come to several of our events. And at the last event, we were hanging around outside and he said, did you know that I grew up in a cult? (laughs) And I was like, no, but do you want to speak at my next event? (laughs) And he was like, shit, what have I done? (laughs) I've put my foot in my mouth. I shouldn't have said anything. But he was already, it was too late. There was no, I was not going to take no for an answer. And to be honest, I didn't have to beg that hard. He was pretty happy to share his story. So we are very delighted to have Sasha D'Souza with us tonight. So having been born into an insular religious cult, Sasha has had to break free to discover and build his authentic life. As part of the inspiring team at Recovering from Religion, I love the sound of that. (laughs) I think I need to go there. Sorry. No, I didn't grow up in a cult. Just, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. He now supports other people who find themselves facing similar challenges um, while assisting them to focus on the joy that comes from living a life of true fulfilment, hope and happiness. So please welcome to the stage, Sasha D'Souza. Good morning. It's uh, lovely to meet you all. Um, Look, what we're doing is calling on you and your neighbours in the neighbourhood here and sharing a wonderful hope for the future. Look, I've got this publication here and it'll explain how you can live in a paradise earth where you will never grow old, you will never die. And in fact, all of the problems that you have here on the world will be completely done away with. 
And what's more, anybody who you've ever loved who's died will be resurrected and you will get to live forever with them on this earth. Look, all you need to do is agree to me coming back every week. We can go through this study program and I'll explain to you how this is possible. That's something that I actually used to believe. And that's something that I probably said tens of thousands of times at people's doors or on the street or perhaps uh, just approaching people in public. And that's a message that I kind of actually really believed. And as silly as it sounds, I thought that I was presenting people with a hope for the future by sharing that message. I thought that the message that I had was something that was so unique and that it was the only answer to life's problems. And so, of course, I wanted to share it with people. Now, I realise how silly that message sounds now. I understand just how many flaws there are in that message. I understand just how unrealistic it is. But I was raised in an insular, high-control cult that preached this message and believed this message. And, of course, the thing about a cult is nobody wakes up and decides to join a cult. Usually you're part of it because you're born into it. Um, perhaps you are approached by cult members when you're at a vulnerable point in your life. And that's exactly what happened with my father and generations before that as well. They were approached by this group and offered this wonderful, utopic, future hope and they were vulnerable at the time. My father particularly was attracted to this message. He'd lost his mother when he was a small boy. And so the idea of being able to see his mother again and be able to welcome her back from the dead and live forever with her was so appealing. And so he changed his whole life. He became a very devoted member of the religion. And of course, I was born into that. Now, the thing about that is I trusted everything that my father and my mother uh, did for me. As a child, I thought my life was a happy childhood. And, you know, I trusted my parents. They taught me uh, not to run on the road, not to put my hand on a hot stove. Oh, and our belief structure also happens to be the only true and only correct way to think. So as a child, I grew up in this environment that on the surface appeared okay, but we were very insular. We had to keep ourselves separate from everybody else who was not part of our religious cult because the risk was anybody who was not part of our cult was actually deemed to be a worldly person, a dangerous person who might appear to be nice, but they actually had ulterior motives and they wanted to take us away from this future paradise hope. So we would treat people with caution. We'd have to treat people with at arm's length. We could be friendly with people, but we could never become friends of people who are outside of the religion. But I also see that growing up in that environment where I learned to judge the others or anybody who was a worldly person was not healthy for me as a child. I grew up in an environment that I like to think of as being uh, in the fog. It was an environment where I was in fear, obligation and guilt. Never good enough, always worried about what the future would hold and always worried that somebody was out to drag me away from this utopia or this paradise hope. So I guess like when I look at my childhood, I thought it was normal, but it was only normal because I was within an insular bubble of like-minded people. And as we know, cults can exist in lots of different ways. There can be religious cults, there can be social cults, there can be political cults. And we see the impact that this has in society where people get drawn into a particular way of thinking. But I got to a point in my life where I devoted myself completely to the activities of this religious cult. I uh, spent a great deal of time in that preaching ministry. 
I devoted my uh, youth from 19 to 25 living at the headquarters of this religious group where I got paid $90 a month to live and work on site right at the time where I should have been building up my life and getting established and maybe getting an education, I was devoting myself to the furtherance of this cult. Speaking of education, the cult also condemned any form of higher education because, again, you might be in an environment where you might get uh, knowledge, knowledge to look outside of the insular bubble. So I did high school, but there was no way that I could go to university and pursue uh, a higher education. So I continued in that path. I tried to be the best possible version of myself I could according to the cult's rules and regulations. But it wasn't until my mid to late 30s that I allowed myself to question things and think, is this true because I've been told it's true or is it true because it's actually true? And one of the things about this religious group is they told us we could not research things outside of approved sources. In fact, anything that was deemed to be unapproved was to be viewed as perhaps apostate material or something that you need to treat with extreme caution. So I didn't have the courage until my mid-30s to start to research things about this group. And then I started to realise there were some really troubling aspects to this group. But then I was stuck in a situation where I could not come out and talk to anybody within my insular bubble. I couldn't say to anybody, hey, I think that this might be a problematic group that we're a part of. And as we've seen on documentaries, news media over the last few years, this happens to people all around the world where they suddenly realise that they're in a, a dangerous situation, but they can't go to anybody for help. So I started to expand my research online and I found some fantastic anonymous uh, groups on the internet of people who had broken out of this religious group and I'd be able to get support from them. But then I was in a situation where I could not say to my wife that I was having these doubts. And so here I was with the person I was supposed to be the closest to and yet I could not talk to her about this difficult situation and this topic about the religious group that we were a part of. Because if I had disclosed to her that I doubted things, she would go running to the authorities of the church and report me, or so I thought. So all I did was try and create a safe environment for us as a married couple where we just focused on things that were outside of the religious bubble. I started to support her career a little bit more. I started to find more social activities for us to enjoy. Just to create a little bit of a difference between the religious routine and the cult routine and our personal life. Well, I'm grateful that she joined me many years after that, and that's another whole story in itself, where she did her own personal research and realized, hey, we're in a destructive cult, and she's made her way out. But along the way, we've lost a lot of people. We've lost our families. We've lost our social group. In fact, we got to a point where we didn't know anybody anymore and we had to start from scratch. And I don't know about you, but it is extremely hard to make friends when you're in your mid to late 30s or early 40s. Everybody's got their friendship circle. But here we were in a situation where we had to learn to put ourselves out there again and just get to know people. And of course, you can't go up to somebody and get to know them and say, hey, did you know I was in a cult? Because that's a little bit weird. But yeah, my wife was able to join me in that journey. She's now made her way out and she has done her own research and her own um, deep dive into why it was the smartest thing for us to do. Now, I just want to share with you one little thing, if I may. I said to you about the religious group condemning anybody researching things outside of approved sources. 
Uh, and also what would happen if people associate, people from within the religious group associate with anybody who might be questioning things or deciding to look outside of that bubble. Their official statement says, if a family member is known to have unnecessary association with somebody who has chosen a path contrary to the approved path, they should not be associated with. It is clear that this person is violating the dictates they are not responding to counsel and they do not qualify to be part of our association. That's the sort of environment that we were in. So my wife, well, she's been able to get out. I've been able to get out. We've been able to get out and build a fantastic life outside of that religious bubble. We've been able to do a lot of firsts in life because the group we were part of, we never celebrated Christmas or birthdays or anything like that. Mother's Day, Father's Day. So in our mid to late 30s, we had our first birthday party we were able to uh, have a few firsts, Christmas and things like that, just for the fun of it. We made up for lost time. We did Easter egg hunts. We did all of that sort of stuff just to make up for lost time. But then I owed it to myself and my wife did the same to question that if the religious group wasn't true, what about the book on which they claim to be based? And in their case, they claim to be based on the Bible. I started to read that book too, without the lens of the religious group. And I started to read it and find out there were some really problematic aspects about the personality of God in the Bible. And I was in this situation where I found myself thinking, well, I'm not perfect, but the God of the Bible is okay with slavery and misogyny and homophobia and genocide and animal cruelty and all these sorts of things. And I'm not okay with that. But I'm supposed to worship him, but my morals seem to be better than his. So I was in a situation where I turn my back on all sorts of faith. Now, I don't mean to speak against anybody. If, if somebody has faith, that's totally fine. But I do realise that a lot of people are walking a journey where they might be questioning things as well. And so along with my wife and a fantastic group of people around the world, we're part of an organisation that exists to try and support people who might be trying to work out where they stand in matters of cult, faith, the Bible or whatever it might happen to be. And so we're part of this group called Recovering From Religion, and we can find them just recoveringfromreligion.org, where we provide hope, healing and support to people who might be questioning where they stand. Some people might choose to remain part of a group, that's fine, but other people might need just to know that there is a safe landing place, a safe group of people where they can share their stories, get the support, the validation that they might need to reclaim their own happy and authentic life. Because one thing about religious groups, cults, anything, what are political cults, they operate on what's called a bite model. They operate where they control people through behaviour control, information control, thought control and emotional control. We were part of that. Now we get to live with true hope where we look on the outside and get to control things for ourselves. No longer is our behaviour, our information, our thoughts or our emotions controlled by a group but we get to be in control of that. And that, to me, is the real definition of hope. The real definition is to be able to make a success of life without having to have somebody else dictate that script for us. And I read a fantastic quote that inspired me. It said that the best revenge is to live a happy and successful life. And so that's what we try and do each and every day. Find the things that bring us joy, and that's helping other people, that's helping ourselves, finding out that the world is a beautiful place and that people in the world are not bad. <laughs> Nobody's out there trying to do anything or take us away from any hope for the future. In fact, people are out there to help us 
to regain hope and to live a really happy and successful life. The world is polarised, the world is full of all different sorts of views, but at the same time we're all united by the fact that we all just want each other to be happy. And that to me is my hope now, being able to contribute to help other people be happy because other people help me to be happy as well. So I encourage people, just find our authentic life. Live a life that's free of any control. Live a life where you get to decide what you want to do. That's what I've been able to do. And I can say that now I don't regret my past and everything I went through. That's helped me to become the person that I am today. But the past and all of those experiences are the springboard that now help me to bounce forward with real hope and happiness. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sasha. It's an amazing story and I love your message of just live your life authentically. Um, I think the main problem with things like cults and religion is when it's taken to the extreme. Anything that that preys on your vulnerability and your fears, that's when it becomes a problem. But if you can just tune in and try and understand and, and get to know your own beliefs that are separate from the parents' beliefs that you're brought up with, if you don't naturally fall that way, <laughs> then um, I think you've got a good chance of, of living a happy life. I think I actually mentioned to my daughter a couple of months ago that I feel that you spend the first 20 years being programmed and conditioned with your parents' beliefs and thoughts, and that's completely right. That's what they believe, and so of course they're going to instill that in you, because you're their kids, so why would they instill the opposite in you? (laughs) But then I feel like from the age of 20, 25, maybe 30, maybe 40 for some people, we spend the rest of our years doing the opposite. (laughs) Or maybe it's just me. If you'd like to buy tickets to the next Stories That Stir event, the link tree is in the show notes.